This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you ideas for building happier habits into your daily life. This week is a very, very special episode. It is episode 100. Yay! Yay! I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, it's hard to believe that we have done this for 100 weeks straight. Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, it just blows my mind. 100 weeks. I, it's gone by so fast. It has been. It's, it is, it is, uh, it's hard to believe that it's been 100 episodes. Um, so this very special episode is all going to be questions from listeners um, on a whole wide range of things. We got such a kick out of seeing people's questions. But before we jump in, um, we are having so much fun with the Instagram project that we're doing, uh, the hashtag happier 2017. So every day we're taking a picture of something that makes us happier, helps us stick to our good habits. Elizabeth, I noticed that you put a picture of your treadmill desk on there yes, the other day. Um, gives us a boost. And so many people have joined in. We have thousands and thousands and thousands of photographs. And it is so fun to flip through them and see what everybody is um, marking with the hashtag happier2017. Yes, I love uh, how many pictures of mugs there are, Gretch. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting yes. uh, joy out of all the mugs I'm seeing. Yes, you clearly have. You found your people. And so be sure to join in if you want and um, tag us. I'm at Gretchen Rubin and Elizabeth is at Lizcraft. So join in, tag us, check it out. It's so fun. Yes. The hashtag happier2017. Yes. 
Uh, and also, Gretch, I want to thank all of our listeners who are reading my book, Flower, out now. Yep. Um, people have been posting pictures of it. Um, one person posted a picture of it in the snow, which was very picturesque, <laughs> um, and uh, tweeting about it. So thanks, guys. And uh, if you haven't read Flower, please yeah. do and let me know what you think. Yeah, I know. It's, it's romance, temptation, celebrity, college applications. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yeah, you can relate to that. Yeah. And it's got the most gorgeous color. It cover. It really does have a very, it has an amazing cover, which, you know, is a very hard thing for a book to achieve. So we both appreciate that. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So now to jump in, we are celebrating our 100 consecutive episodes, which is unbelievable. Yes. Week after week. We haven't missed, missed one week. No, nope. nope, we have not, which has taken some some scheduling logistical hurdles to overcome. But uh, yes, we have. And I will say Eliza filled in for me, remember, yes. one week. So I did miss a week. Yeah, you were shooting a pilot, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, as part of the festivities to mark the milestone, we are going to be giving away some prizes. Yay. <laughs> I can't tell if this is cheesy or if this is fun, but I've decided that it's that it's fun. Oh, yeah. Giving away is good. Yeah. So go go if you're interested in in participating, go to happiercast.com slash win, just W I N win. And five people are gonna get a, a happier t shirt, a, a copy of flower, a copy of better than before, a temporary tattoo of our happier logo. And you're also going to get a free subscription to the Better app, which is the app um, for harnessing the four tendencies. Um, it's all about the four tendencies. And also you can form and join accountability groups there for you obligers. And that's a subscription app. There's a seven-day free trial. But if you join for a year, it's like $100. So this is that's actually pretty valuable. Yeah. And these will be coming to you from in, in several different packages. We can't do like one beautiful mailing since some will be coming from you, Elizabeth, and some from me. But yes. it's going to be – so that's for five people. And then five additional people will just get the T-shirt. Um, so there's sort of two two kinds of winners. And again, go to happiercast.com slash win if you're interested in seeing if you can get lucky. Okay, Gretchen, for this very, very special episode, we asked listeners to ask us questions whether they were happiness-related or not. So we are going to start with just some quick, funny, uh, whimsical questions that we got that we can answer very quickly before we get into a little bit more meat. Hi, Gretchen and Liz. It's Kathleen calling from Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Uh, love the podcast and congratulations on your 100th episode. While I have a million questions uh, that I'd love to hear your take on in terms of habits and being happier, um, I'd love to take it a little sillier today and hear Liz's favorite housewives from each city. That would be awesome. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, Gretchen, of course, I love this question. <laughs> yes. Um, and my answers will mean nothing to you or to anyone else who doesn't watch The Housewives. But for anyone who does, this is for you. Okay. Um, okay. My favorite uh, Beverly Hills housewife is Kyle Richards. My favorite Atlanta housewife is Phaedra. My favorite New York housewife is either Ramona or Bethany, depending on the season. <laughs> Uh, my favorite OC housewife, that's Orange County, is uh, Vicky. Um, and my favorite Jersey housewife, although I have to say I'm not a big Jersey fan, is Teresa Post-Jail. <laughs> 
And those are the ones I watch. Um, I'm not into Dallas enough and uh, some others to have favorites, but those are my big ones. Wow, Elizabeth, I had no idea that you had such an extensive command. I knew you liked The Real Housewives, but I didn't know like the depth of your love for The Real Housewives. So that is that is extraordinary. Oh, it's deep. <laughs> and broad. Yeah, I could talk about uh, this for a long time, but I, I won't go into all my reasons why. Um, but um, if anyone wants to uh, discuss it on Twitter, <laughs> I'm always available. Uh, and if you're interested in The Housewives, you have to listen to Bitch Sesh, which is an amazing podcast about the Real Housewives. Um, and Gretch, that reminds me, Ramona, not Ramona from the Housewives, a different <laughs> Ramona, asked about um, how about podcasts we would recommend. Do you have some recommendations? Well, Ramona, it's great that you asked that because, in fact, I have just launched the Onward Project, which is a family of podcasts, and the the whole idea is that. They, they have the similar vibe. So if you like Happier, you'll like these podcasts. It's all about like your life made better. And one is Chris Gillibo's Side Hustle School, which is all about starting a side hustle. And he tells these amazing stories about people's side hustles every single day. So you can like listen to it every commute or whatever. And that's um, fascinating and great. And then the other one is called Radical Candor, which has got two co-hosts, uh, Kim Scott and Russ Laraway. And they're talking about, you know, Dealing with a boss, being a boss, how to manage being on a team, managing up, managing down. Again, fascinating stories. They both have these crazy, really impressive careers, and they're talking about what they've learned. And what I love is they talk about a lot of the mistakes they made and the failures they've experienced and the lessons they learned the hard way. Um, and it's always so fun to hear about lessons learned through failure, I think. So I would suggest those, Radical Candor and uh, Side Hustle School. Yeah, I am loving both of those, Scratch. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. So one of the questions people asked is, who makes the egg cooker that I'm constantly talking about for my hard-boiled eggs? And that is Krups, K-R-U-P-S. And anything that we mention that has a link or, you know, you go to the show notes for happiercast.com slash 100 and you'll find a link. So, but if you want to know, it's Krups. And if you want to know the yoga pants that I mentioned that I wore at the live event um, that look like regular pants, the kind of trompe l'oeil yoga pants, it's the Beta Brands brand. And I will post a photograph of myself. I'm wearing them right now, right here in the studio. I will post a picture of myself in my uh, yoga pants disguised as work pants. Yeah. And Gretchen, on that note, you know, after I gave myself a demerit for always wearing sweatpants recently, <laughs> we have been inundated wonderfully with people wanting to help me. And I'm happy yes. to report I've ordered two pair of, I guess, athleisure pants is what you call them. And I am wait. Yeah. They're in. They've. I've been told they're in the mail. So I'm waiting for them to arrive. I'm very excited. So I'll let you know. I'll send you a picture when I get those. Um, so that's going to be upping my game at least a bit here. Excellent. Excellent. Um, now, a few people asked, uh, I had mentioned several episodes ago that I'm working on a little book about order called Outer Order, Inner Calm. And um, some people very nicely asked uh, when that book was going to be released. And my agent said to me, uh, we really need to focus everybody uh, on the Four Tendencies book, which is coming out in September. <laughs> so the four, the Outer Order, Inner Calm book is on the back burner for now. But I'm very happy to hear that people are interested. And I will be turning to that very soon. I should read that one for sure. <laughs>
Um, now, Brooke asked, I know you love children's literature, but what I'd love to hear from you is a list of books you'd recommend reading with my daughters beside Harry Potter, which seems obvious. Um, well, Brooke, I can't even limit myself to just a few. So I will post a link to the list that I made of my 81 favorite children's and young adult books, um, because there are so many ones that I love so, so, so much. Um, so I will post the link so you can see the whole big list for you and your daughters. Gretchen Lori asked, what's your spirit animal? Well, I went on Pottermore, of course, to find out what my Patronus is, Ah. which I consider to be my spirit animal. Falcon. Oh, nice. That's a good one. Yes. Yes, I was very pleased. How about you? Um, I'm going to say meerkat because (laughs) I, um, way back when Sarah and I had our show, Women's Murder Club, this guy we worked with, uh, Scott Gemmel, he always said I looked like a meerkat because if something bad (laughs) happened, I would sort of like, my eyes would pop open and I'd be like, woo. Um, she always called me the meerkat. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay, well, I I'm gonna like go deep into that for you, uh-huh. for moms, etc. <laughs> yeah. Um. And Gretchen Theodora asked us if we know our Myers Briggs type, which I have to say I do not know mine. Although I'd like to know, I should do that. Yeah, we forgot to talk about Myers Briggs in our last episode, episode 99, when we talked about personality tests, which was uh, we just ran out of time because that's a major one. Um, I, uh, the last time I took the test, I was an ENTJ. And what is that? Uh, that means extroversion, intuition, thinking, judging in their categories. That sounds like you. That sounds <laughs> not that you're judgmental. I'm a little bit judgmental. <laughs> <laughs> when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. 
Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. So a lot of people asked if we were going to have our husbands on, and I would say theoretically yes, because they've agreed to do it, and so we will do it at some point. It's just it's a scheduling thing. Yeah, it's we want to do it when we're all together. I think. Um, yeah, that'd be a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, so that I'm really looking forward to that episode whenever it yes, happens. Whenever that will be a special episode. <laughs> and people often ask too why we don't have our parents on, and the fact is they don't want to be on. They've been yes. asked. <laughs> Um, one time our mother was actually in the studio with both of us and she just did not want to be on. And one of the things about having a happier podcast is you do not want to make somebody really annoyed <laughs> by constantly mm-hmm. pestering you. So they don't they like to listen, but they don't want to come on. No. So they're as of now, they will not be on the show, although I do sometimes bring it up again. You know, I'm never giving up hope altogether. Yes. And we got this question by voicemail about our sister relationship. Sandra from Bloomington. I was just wondering if you have ever had a falling out between the two of you. I've had a um, strained relationship with my sister, and my parents passed away within the last three years, and I'm jealous of all the people who have great relationships with their sisters and um, would like to help my kids have healthier relationships when problems come up. So that's my question. Thank you. Um, the answer to that, Sandra, is no. We've never had a falling out. Nope. Um, I think our parents really um, sort of just stress the importance of getting along. Uh, so we've never really even had a big fight, I don't think. No, I don't think so. We've snapped at each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've exasperated each other. But one thing, and also several people asked about the age difference, because we are five years apart, which is which is a pretty substantial um, age difference. And I think when we were younger, we maybe didn't intersect that much. We were kind of on like doing our separate things. So maybe we weren't we, w- we didn't have as much conflict because we weren't. Yes. We didn't have sibling rivalry. Right. We didn't, we, you know. And but I think then as we got older, we got a lot closer because those that the five year gap just matters so much less when you're grown up. So we sort of grew into an intimacy um, that when we were young, we got along well, but we were, we were, I mean, the difference between like a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old is huge. Yeah. And then one thing uh, mom and dad did, which I think helped our relationship sort of evolve to closer to where it is now, is when I was 16 and you were, I guess, uh, 21, 21. Um, you were spending some time in Europe and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast or not, but mom and dad um, sent me to Europe with you for a month in the summer yes. uh, after my, uh, I think it was junior year in high school. So we spent a month together traveling around Europe, just the two of us. And that really cemented our friendship. Although, yeah, we it was a lot of you figuring out what we were doing and me sitting on the backpack. <laughs> No, that was the moment that I will never forget was when we arrived at some train station in Milan or something. And you were like, I'll wait here with the backpacks and you go figure out where we yeah. want to stay. And I was like, that was a moment of exasperation. Yes. <laughs> and then I got horrible tonsillitis, remember? Um, oh, and you came on the wrong day. and Yeah. It had some misadventure to it, but it was great. Yeah. 
Well, as mom says, the things that go wrong often make the best memories. Um, and we had some great memories and some bad memories, which are now funny to think about. But it is, it's, I think that's one of the, and then also we've mentioned before how our parents always, when we were younger, paid for us to visit each other so that yes. we never had to count the cost of taking a train or taking a plane to see each other um, when we were sort of young adults. And so I think they did a lot to try to set it up logistically to make it easier for us to be, um, have, have time together. Um, and to really keep our relationship strong. Yeah, and I think um, we do try not to judge each other, which I think is important for sibling relationships, just to let that person be who they are, appreciate their quirks, uh, celebrate their quirks, but still have like honest, open conversation. Yeah, yeah. Now we're really, really lucky. We're really lucky to have each other and to have uh, such a strong sibling relationship. Very lucky. There's, it's being, being increasingly studied, sibling relationships. And one of the points that researchers make is that for most people, their relationship with the siblings is the most enduring relationship of their lives. They will know their, uh, their sibling well for the longest time, you know, longer than their parents, longer than their spouse. Wow. So it's interesting to think about, you know, it's a good place to put energy. Yeah, it's an important relationship. And Gretchen, on the topic of another important relationship, spouses, we, we got a lot of questions about our spouses. Hi, Katina Chimney from Houston, Texas. Uh, my question is, you guys seem to have such good relationships with your spouses. I was wondering how you both met your spouses. Thank you. So, Elizabeth, we both have kind of work-related uh meetings of our spouses. Yes. I remember when you met Jamie, I, you called me, I think the next day I was a junior in college. I remember mm -hmm. it very clearly. Tell, tell the story. I, I remember calling you from the Sterling library and at Yale. Um, so I, uh, I was in law school and uh, I was a first year. My husband, Jamie was then a second year. And, um, the, I remember the moment when I laid eyes on him for the first time where I was working in the library at my little Carol and he had the carol that was be like right behind me. So we sat back to back and I saw him walk in and he was wearing a rose colored Patagonia jacket. And he's very dark, uh, very dark complexion, dark hair, dark hair, dark eyes. And so he was just this vivid picture. And I he walked in and I was just like, whoa. And I remember I whispered to my friend Carmine. I was like, who's that guy? And then he's like, that's Jamie Rubin. I was like, oh, boy. Um, yeah. So, and then I think I called you the next day and I was like, wow, I met this guy, Jamie Rubin in the law school library. No, you, when you called me was after you guys had pizza together with a group of people. Oh, right. No, there was a Seder. Oh, a Seder. Oh, I thought yeah. it was pizza. No, because it was complicated because like a friend of mine from Kansas City was cousins with somebody who was Jamie's housemate. So, and ah. he was coming from somewhere else to just to be with his cousin for the holiday and they were having a dinner. And so they were like, well, Gretchen should come because she's friends with him from home. So it was like this long, weird, securitist thing. And I remember walking into his house and being like, this is a fateful evening. Um, and yes, then like, you were like, he's the one. You were yeah. sure of that yeah. immediately. Yeah. I did have to break up with my boyfriend before. Yeah. So that was, that was, there was no tacky overlap, but I had to act fast. Um, now, how about you? I remember you meeting Adam. I remember hearing yes. about that. I met Adam um, when Sarah and I worked on The Shield uh, as writers. Uh, Adam was another writer on The Shield. And um, we met, and I mean, I wouldn't say it was like love at first sight the way yours was, but I'd say maybe it was love in six weeks. I don't remember exactly the time frame, but it was pretty quick. 
And um, he had been dating someone who he then broke up with. And he called me because Sarah and I were going off to write a script. And he called to say good luck, at least ostensibly. That's why Uh he was calling. And I said, um, oh, are you still, are you looking for an apartment? Because I knew he had to move. And I said, why don't you come look at apartments in my building? (laughs) And he came over to see my building. And um, sort of that was the night when we basically went from just being friends at work to almost declaring our love and deciding to get married. It was that fast. Um, and then he ended up getting an apartment like three floors down for me <laughs> two weeks later. So it was all very fast, um, but it was it was great. And then I remember also during that time, his family came to visit, his mom and his two sisters and his niece. And I remember thinking, oh, they seem so nice. I would love to be a part of that family. So oh, oh, that's it, was, it, was, um, it was a very intense time. And it was like, it's such a great memory. And the shield will always be special to me. For that reason and under others. But it's ironic because if you've seen The Shield and you should absolutely yeah. watch it because it's a great television show, it is like the most dark, violent, uh, cynical view of human nature and the idea that like there's all these hearts and flowers in your hearts. <laughs> I think it's, there were four marriages on that show, by really? the way. Interesting. Yeah. Well, and my law school class, tons of people married other people uh, at the law school. I think it was something people remarked on. So we were part of a trend, both of us. Yes. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has Greenlight. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one-time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. So, Elizabeth, we got an email from Beth who said, I would love to know more about Elizabeth and Sarah's writing partnership. How does this how did this come about? Why are they writing partners versus working solo? What are the how are the responsibilities split? How do you make sure you're both pulling your weight? Is this type of partnership common in L.A.? How do you sell yourselves as a pair in a practical sense? And if you are comfortable sharing, how does the financial side work? Interesting. (laughs) Ah, well, uh, Sarah and I met in high school when we were 14. So we've known each other a long time. I will just try to breeze through this very quickly. Um, and we ended up moving out to LA together um, and just sort of becoming partners almost by chance. Um, but we have now been writing partners for almost 20 years. Wow. And uh, I know it's a long time. Uh, and we split all of our money to that question. So we get half a paycheck, but it's our belief that we will be more successful together than apart. So that's worth it to us. 
And we split, um, when we're writing, we, we split stuff up. So I'll write half a script and she'll write half a script and then we'll give each other notes and rewrite. And then at some point we'll write together. Um, and for the rest of our duties, we tend to kind of do stuff together. We'll watch casting stuff together. We'll break stories together. Um, we'll do editing together. Our hope is someday if we have a show, we'll be able to split stuff up more to, you know, uh, sort of relieve some of the workload. But it is a very close relationship that obviously goes, you know, through different phases and it is almost like a marriage. Sometimes we're sick of each other and sometimes we love each other. But I think most of all, we have trust in each other. We know we have each other's backs. And I think that is hugely helpful in Hollywood. Of course, Gretchen, I would be remiss if I did not mention yes. that um, as part of the Onward Project, Sarah and I are going to be doing a podcast called yeah. Happier in Hollywood, in which we will discuss all of these things at length um, and uh, many others about how to be happier in Hollywood. Right, right. And managing a writing partnership is definitely a bit going to be a big theme because it's it's a big theme of your life and your work life. So yeah, I cannot wait <laughs> yes. for happier. As Elizabeth once said to me, everything about Hollywood is more true than you could possibly imagine. <laughs> Yeah, everything you've heard is more truth than you could possibly imagine, and uh, yeah, and more cliche. Every cliche is, is, is it that and more. So um, that'll be really fun. So yeah, That's you'll get great. deep into our partnership with that. <laughs> and then Gretchen, um, Mary wrote that she enjoyed listening to my tale of when I got fired um, for my own show <laughs> on the other F word podcast, um, which I recommend everyone listen to if they. Um, <laughs> want to uh, wallow with me in that. Um, and she says, Gretchen, do you have a story of failure in your life that you could share with listeners? They'd be fascinated to hear how you dealt with it and what you learned from it. So I, I was like, I couldn't think of a failure. Oh, yeah. You well, I could. Um, well, one, fa <laughs> uh, one failure, and I would pick this failure because I felt like I really learned something important from it was, um, so I started out writing and my, and I had written a book, uh, called Power, Money, Fame, Sex, which I love, love, love. And then I wrote mm -hmm. a book, uh, that's a bio, kind of an unconventional biography of Winston Churchill, which I love, love, love called 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill, which is fantastic. And it, and I had this kind of very unconventional structure for, depicting a biography for depicting a great life, which I was very enchanted with and and saw that there were tremendous possibilities for any number of people to be done kind of in this 40, 40 ways structure. And so I had written the second one, which was 40 ways to look at JFK. And like all my books, I love, love, love the book, love my subject. And like that book just did not work. That's what they say in publishing. If you fail utterly, mm. they're like, that book didn't work. <laughs> that book uh. didn't find its audience. Um, and uh, but what was good about that failure is it made me realize that one of the things that made that failure difficult was that I felt so powerless to do anything to help my own book. Like mm. I had written the very best book that I could and I and I had tr faith that my publishers were trying hard too, um, but there was nothing else that I could directly do. And so I, and it was at that time when blogs were really becoming something that people who were untechnical could really master and um, more and more kind of non-techie people were getting into it. And I just became committed to this idea that I wanted to try to have a direct relationship with readers, that I wanted to have my own way to try to talk about my book. And it was just at the point where when the 40 Ways to Look at JFK was coming out that I got the idea to write the, the Happiness Project, which yes. really lent itself to that kind of thing, fortunately. But I was like, 
you know, I have to make this Oscar Wilde has this amazing line where he says, like, I have to make everything bad that's happened to me work for me. And I was mm. like, this is this is a failure. I have to learn from this. What am I going to learn? I'm going to learn that I want to have my own powers. Um, I want to have my I want to try to develop something that I could do just so that I didn't have that bad feeling of not being able to do anything. So that was a big failure. It's very, very sad. You work so hard on a book when it doesn't work. Um, but I learned a very important lesson. Yeah, I remember when you were starting the blog and uh, talking about it when we were all in Kansas City and all of us were like, you're going to write something every day? How are you going to do that? That's impossible to write a different entry every single day. And you were like, I'm just going to commit to it and I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah. And then it it was so great. So yeah. that I I I it's hard to think of you pre blog Gretch, but you you did exist before the blog. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, no. So it was it was a failure that ended up uh, like teaching, like really uh, helping me in a in a really important way. So that's uh, that's always great when that happens. Um, Elizabeth, this was a this was a question for you from Katie. I'm so curious. Did you ever make a final decision about having another child? If so, how do you feel about your decision? Ah, good question. Um, we haven't exactly made a decision. We, Gretchen, you know this. We actually tried to adopt last year, and it uh, didn't work out. Yep. And so we're kind of um, not sure what we're going to do. I I think we're probably going to end up with one with just Jack. But we are definitely open to the idea that we could expand the family through adoption. Um, but um, it's kind of in a holding pattern right now. I think that took, you know, took a lot out of us. And I, I'm just not sure where we are. But thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, and the good news is we have a great kid. So whatever happens, I'm content. Excellent. Excellent. Gretch, here's an interesting question from Ruth in Denver, Colorado. She says, I'm a Midwestern gal myself, having grown up in Des Moines. I have always believed that being from the Midwest has shaped me in certain ways. My question for both of you is, do you think that being from the Midwest has shaped you and your sensibilities? If so, how? Interesting, Elizabeth. What do you think? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think People from the Midwest, at least I think we do, have a very strong identity as being from the Midwest and what that means. Now, I think people from other places would say, well, hey, I'm the same way, <laughs> probably. But yeah. we attribute it to being from the Midwest, which I think is sort of a hardworking, honest, uh -huh. and maybe somewhat reserved uh, personality so, Alyssa, one thing that people often say about the Midwest is that people move slower and that they're more polite. Do you think that's true? Uh, for sure. Yeah, I think people are very, I mean, you go, people go out of their way to be polite and friendly. I think, I guess they do move slower, certainly than they do in New York and L.A. And it's a civility. There's a real civility. Well, one of the things I think is also an advantage from being the mid, from the Midwest is I think People from other parts of the country don't who have never been in the Midwest have no idea what it is. Like they just I mean, for my wedding, I wouldn't say yes. that my friends thought that there would be tumbleweeds blowing down the main street. But it was uh -huh. like uh, it would it wouldn't have shocked them. You know what I mean? Like, I think they were like, what is this? And like one of my right. friends is from Chicago. I'm like, you're from, you know, right next door. Um, so I think one of the advantages from being the Midwest is you just have a deeper sense of like what other parts of the country are, you know. 
Yes. Um, the flyover state. You're, you know what the flyover states are and yeah. what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I always yeah. personally liked being from the Midwest because I always had this desire to go to the big city. And I liked that I came from yes. a place and then went to a place. And I always feel like that's something like Jack and Eliza and Eleanor will never have. They'll never have that feeling of moving to the big city. Yeah. Because they both they all grew up in the big city, but they do have a very strong identification with Kansas City, and that's really important to me that they feel yes. like they really know it, and they have a lot of places that they go, and they know people there, and they have a sense of like just like we had a sense of what is North Platte, Nebraska like. Like I know what a place like North Platte, Nebraska is like because we hung out there a lot and had lives there in the summer when we would go visit our grandparents. So yeah, I think it's good just to have a deeper sense of how other parts of the country are. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, I'm I'm definitely happy to be from the Midwest. Um, yes. And um, I'm also very happy to now live in Los Angeles where it's 75 in January. <laughs> <laughs> so Elizabeth, our last question is a very thought-provoking question from Kira. If you could sit down with your 25-year-old self, what would you say to her? Mm. Mm. What would you say? Oh, gosh. I mean, one, I would say you look great <laughs> because I think I always felt like I looked so awful. And now I look back and I'm like, what was I so worried about? I looked awesome. I should yes. have just reveled in being 25 <laughs> years old. Um, and I would say just like be bold and go for it. Don't like despite your fear, you know. But you were pretty bold and went for it. Like, I think that's something that your 25 year old self pretty much knew. Well, I would just I would have gone for it harder, I guess, earlier. I, I, I feel yeah, like earlier. we were still maybe I was still maybe a little hesitant to really um, go for what I wanted. And I would um, I would have known that nobody knows more than I do. Let me put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so I would have felt like I can go get this job because I'm as qualified as anyone else. I think you feel when you're 25, right. like everybody knows so much more than you do. Yeah. What about you, Gretchen? What would you say to your 25-year-old self? Well, I think mine is sort of a version of yours, which is I would just say be Gretchen. Mm. You know, I have these 12 personal commandments, and that's really the, that's the number one personal commandment. And really everything that I write about, you know, the more I've studied happiness and habits and everything, it all comes back to this idea of like, yeah, I have to know myself, my own nature, my own interests, my own values. Like, how do I like to spend my time? Um, what do, you know, who is Gretchen? And I feel like it took me a long time before it even occurred to me to think about that. I was just like, what do I need to do? Like, tell me what to do. I'll do it, you know? And, uh, and that all kind of worked out fine, but at a certain point you just burn out and you're stuck with yourself. And so I wish that I had mm. earlier really started focusing on why am I doing this? Is this what I want? Why am why you know, um, and and so that's what I would say. That's what I would say to my 16-year-old self. That's what I would say to my 25-year-old self. It's what I say to my current self every single day, which is be yes. Gretchen. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like honing in on who one is is kind of the, the process of living. Oh, it's the great it's task. It's a lifelong quest. It is. It is. <laughs> it is a lifelong quest. Absolutely. And now, Elizabeth, it's time for demerits and gold stars, but... Because it's a very, very special episode, we're going to do something a little different. No demerit this week, Gretch. <laughs> Only one big gold star. One big gold star to our listeners. Because the thing that has made this so fun, so thought-provoking, 
so life-changing. Like many, many things in my life I now do, including I do not email over the weekend, by the way. Mm. And Jamie now. I taught Jamie how to use delay delivery. So he ah. now is not emailing. You're athleisure. I know yes. you're stepping up your game. <laughs> yep. But in many bigger, bigger things, those are silly things, but big things, um, we have just gotten so much incredible engagement with our listeners. Yeah. When we started, I don't think we had any idea of the kind yeah. of community that we would end up being a part of with this podcast. It just grows and grows and gets sort of more and more complex and interactive. Um, and that is just the most fun. Yeah, no. I mean, listening to the to the music list on Spotify or checking it on Instagram, I feel like it's going into like multiple dimensions. Um, yes. Yeah. And then just every day I look forward to my email because I'm like, I'm going to get a great tip or I'm going to get a great hack or there's going to be some really provocative, interesting question. Elizabeth, you and I, a lot of times we'll talk about questions that we don't even have time to talk about on the show, but we're like, oh, did you see that that fascinating email about blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it has been such a joy. I mean, talk about being happier. It has been such an engine of happiness. Oh, yeah. We didn't even know how much just doing the podcast would increase our happiness, yeah. despite even all the content we talk about. Just doing it makes us happy. Yeah. 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 So gold star to you, our listeners. Gold star. Thanks, guys. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Thank you for celebrating episode 100 with us. Remember, you can always get on touch on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can find the show notes and the links to anything we talked about, uh, the picture of me in my yoga pants, um, at happiercast.com slash 100. Also want to give a big gold star in our 100th episode to our fellow Midwesterner from Minneapolis, our producer, Kristen Meinzer. And gold stars to uh, all of our friends at Panoply, especially Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And remember, if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us on iTunes. That really helps. And a reminder, if you want to be entered to win potentially our fabulous prizes that will definitely make you happier, Go to happiercast.com slash win. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Onward and Upward.